0: Hey, God Watch people, it's Phil Goth here again with the God Watch Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and uh, a great New Year. This week we have another show to bring to you, but before then, one thing you can do to help us just kick off the New Year riot would be to share this episode, whatever episode from last year that you just really found enlightening or something that you just enjoyed hearing. Uh, The other thing you can do if you don't feel like sharing something would be go to your podcast distributor and give us a review you know the reviews always help uh, help people find us help us move up in the charts a little bit so that uh, we can be found and, and grow our audience a little bit but with that I guess this week we have a we have a wonderful show from a gentleman named Doug Schneider he is in Battle Creek Michigan and his story is, a story of growth and a story of maturity you know just in not understanding what those things are that God has before you but just willing to take that step and so I'll let him explain it to you ladies and gentlemen Doug Snyder (laughs) Doug, thanks for taking time out of your, your busy day, coming and hanging out and talking about God with me.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm honored to be able to do that. So, so.
0: No, it's, it's, I always see it as such an honor that people take time out of their lives to come and help me do this, share their stories with me, and trust that I'll do something good with it. Yeah. And so it's, I can't tell you how special it is just mm-hmm. to have have you guys here and support
1: and help. Yeah, well thanks. Like I said, I'm honored to be asked and that was that was pretty cool to do that, so.
0: We're back up here in Michigan, recording mm-hmm. a couple more shows. It's the first time we've ever met, so mm-hmm. I would love for you just to kind of let's let's set the stage, let's, let's learn a little bit about you. What do we need to know to kind of understand your your walk with God a little better?
1: Okay, um, well I'm born and raised right here in Battle Creek. I've been here all of my life and grew up in a good home. Um, you know, my parents, two sisters, was in church growing up as a child. Uh, that was you know, part of what my parents wanted. Was very much involved with our church you know, growing up, uh, youth programs and you know that up until early early adulthood I guess. My wife and I were part of that church when we got married. We got married really young. We stayed as part of that church. Early married life church kind of fell off a little bit but when kids came came along we felt that it was important to you know be back there. Always felt that when I look back at it now that God had his hand on me. I remember growing up that even at an early age i could I could explain who God was and who Jesus was, and had a knowledge of what you know what it was about without any real i guess understanding of what it was. But
0: that's what I was going to get at because I know one of the things like when you were describing it, you said when you know when I was young, I went to church because it's what my parents wanted right um, and so that's what I was wondering is is it more of a a headspace thing and less of a heart?
1: Thing? Well, I think so you know. I mean, it wasn't that I rejected it or anything. I mean, that yeah. was what, I was raised in a Christian home. I mean, yeah. that's what mom and dad did. They took us to church, you know, and we were part of Sunday school. And even when, when I was a teenager involved in, you know, the youth ministry at our church, when we had a youth group, mm-hmm. I was yeah. very much understanding, very much, you know, yeah, I'm on board with what you know, who Jesus is, who God is, what it meant to be a Christian. Yeah. Very much on board with that and always had a very strong draw towards God. Um, God was very emotional in my life. You know, when, back when I was growing up as a teenager, you know, if God was brought into the conversation, I felt very good about that. Um, so, I, you know, it wasn't that I rejected God. He was there. Uh, it's just that did I have that relationship with him? Growing up um, as a kid, you know, as a teen, as an adult, I believed. I didn't have, you know, I knew who God was to a point. Yeah. Um, I knew who Jesus was. I know why he was born. I know why he died. Uh, You know, and I didn't deny any of that. Um, I understood that and believed it. But up until, you know, once I got married and into life, raising kids and work and career and stuff like that, I still believed, but I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. That came in nineteen ninety-five. I was forty years old. And I had spent about twenty years of my career, was very I will say I was successful at that. I mean I wasn't the top of, you know, what I of my of what I did, but I also was successful at what I did. It was at that point in time that there were changes happening around me that I couldn't control. And pretty much up to that point in time, you know, what Doug wanted, Doug went after and, you know, was able Succeeded. to get that. I yeah. was trying to succeed. You know, that's, that's the environment I grew up in. I, I grew up in a sales organization. And, you know, success is what you look at. It wasn't the... How hungry you are. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't... You know, do you want to be at the top of the food chain or do you, you, know, do you want to be a bottom feeder type thing? And um, So I always looked at my life as wanting to be very successful. So I was very success-driven, success-oriented. I was not afraid to take on challenges or whatever. But in 1995, um, it got very difficult because I couldn't control a lot of things. And I actually became clinically depressed, um, was treated for depression... And it was at that point in time, uh, in 1995, that I actually, <laughs> I remember the day, um, just basically cried out and said, God, if you're real, you can save me. So I had, up until that point in time, I'd never understood God in my life. You know, I always saw God as something I believed in, but not something that was close enough to me to... To affect change. To affect that change. And... So, again, that cry was, God, if you're real, you can help me. And it was a very dark time in my life. um, But at the same time, God was very faithful. He was, like, right there, right now. I started developing that relationship with God in 1995. Um, And it was a very exciting time, but I also was going at it from a different Viewpoint, And I think a viewpoint of what a lot of Christians take is that, God, I want my life the way I want it. Yeah. And what I was hoping for was God was going to put my life back in order to where it was prior to me crying out to Him. You know, I want to be back in my career. I don't want to be depressed. I want everything happy and healthy at home. And um, that's not where God wanted me to go. Yeah. So now looking
0: back, depression is a serious topic. You know, yeah. a lot of people struggle with depression. Inside right. the church, outside the church. I mean, that's a that's a common theme that that right. a lot of people suffer with and a lot of people suffer quietly with. Right. And when you look at how God had worked that out in your life, was it an acceptance of the situation which was causing depression or was it symptoms are gone situation is the same like what what did that feel like does that make sense to you Do you know what i mean the, did the situation keep or did you just accept it and understand that god's will is what's happening now
1: well i think the one life didn't go back to where it was yeah um, which was your desire which was my desire but at the same time there was not a surrender, if you, and if, yeah, you know no, what I mean understand there. That. Yeah, I uh, But what I really was trying was that in that time, I mean, I, I was off work for a period of months, you know, uh, took a leave of absence from my job while, you know, trying to get life back in order a little bit. And fortunately, the company I worked for, you know, recognized that. And so in that time, again, I was... I wrote journals and I read my Bible and was looking for you know, okay, God, what do I need to do to put life back into order? And I decided that I was going to take a career change at that point. Um, The career change was me leaving the job that I was in and starting out as a sole proprietor of a small sporting goods store. And I sat down and I figured it all out and I kept praying and I kept studying and I kept working and doors kept opening and I kept moving and I had no idea where I was going. I just knew what I wanted to do and so I launched off into doing it. Um, You know, I took my family down a path that was, you know, scary to begin with and we started this adventure at the end of 1995. And it was in that time, from the time that I took the leave of absence, went through that, learning about God, studying about God, developing a relationship with God, and then starting this new venture that we went into. And, like I said, felt that it was God's hand moving me because everything was working out. You know, all the doors opened for me to be able to start a business. And within two years and a couple months, it failed miserably. We lost everything that we owned, um, everything. I mean, I had two teenage kids, a wife, and here we are starting over again in life. But I find that, for me, was the greatest time of my life. It was a great awakening of who God was. That's when the real journey of who God was started where God humbled me more than anything else. So now, is
0: that, is that kind of how you see that experience? Is, is, was your need to be humbled? Yeah, yeah, God
1: needed to break me of my pride. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I will be honest and say, you know, we all deal with pride issues, but I was my pride was in who I was and the success or whatever I'd been able to accomplish up to that point in time. And so God really need, was really trying to break me of what, what I was. And that was the first step. I learned in that that God takes care of everything, um, that he provides for all of our needs. I mean, again, I lost everything that I had. Yeah, and, and so
0: when you, when you look back at that, though, like in that time frame... Where does your mind go? You know, being a small business owner, mm-hmm. doing these things, I don't know where I would be if the situation was to have to close my business. You know, because what's gonna happen with the house, what's gonna happen with the kids, what's gonna happen with the activities, what about the cars, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things like that, and, and I try not to be focused all the time on those situations, but I, I don't know where my mind would go in, you know, God has blessed me to be able to do the things that I do and I, that I've accomplished the things that I've accomplished. But when you see all of those things, hey, you know, God has lined this up and this up and this up. I'm going to have this new business. It's going successful. All these doors are opened and then all of a sudden it's not. Right. In in the moment, I I can't imagine that you're like, thinking, hey, I need to be humbled, thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? Those are not right. blessings that we see at the time, right? right. And so what is, where does your where does your mind go in the situation there? I mean, because it's gotta be stressful at home, personally stressful. You know what I mean? All of these things that are right. I mean, because especially a family business, that encompasses your whole
1: life. Correct. Yeah, it was um, it was a very interesting time. I'll use the word interesting because in that span of two years I continued, I mean there was, there was a point in there where I didn't talk to God for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then, I, then things started kind of heading south in the business. You, know, you could see that uh, this isn't going so well. And that was where I came back to God and said okay I've seen what you've done, and I've seen where I'm at, and now I know that I really need you more. And I I consider that one of the greatest times of my, my life. I'm not I'm not going to compare it to Moses, but you know, it's where <laughs> Moses saw himself as something. You know, he was the child of Pharaoh's, you know, Pharaoh's daughter, whatever, and that's and you know, he had everything going for him. Yeah. And he decided that, okay, I don't want what I'm going for. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. And Moses ends up, and God takes him off, and he spends 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep you know, before the burning bush. And I'm not, I'm not trying to compare that, but that was the time that where Moses spent getting to understand who God was. Well, yeah. that time that I had in those two years, I developed, I went from, okay, God, if you're real, you can save me, to okay, God, this is what I want to do in my life.
0: Kind of on fire. I was on every, fire. Everything's possible.
1: Everything's possible with God, and all the doors opened, and I, you know, and I walked through everything. And even though I had no idea what I was doing when it came to running a business, I knew what I wanted to do. I had the ideas. The it, it, we brought it to fruition. I mean, it was to me, it was a cool place. Yeah. But at the same time. God knew what was going to happen. I didn't, of course. But he kept moving me through different lessons. I learned about tithing during that two-year period of time, what it meant to tithe. Yeah. And why do I want to tithe? Well, because tithing is a trusting in God. But I looked at it from a different perspective. It was, well, if I give to God, God will bless me. Well, I learned in that that, no, God doesn't, bless you just because you give money to him. Yeah. It means that you're trusting God to take care of your need. And the, I know that the biggest and most important Bible verse that I learned in all of that was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make the path straight. That verse carried me through... And it still carries me today. Whenever I come up to, against situations in life, and so yeah, it was a it was an exciting time. You know, it was scary at first. It became very exciting, and then God's going, okay, I'm trying to get your attention here. I need you to pay attention to what's going on, and He took me right through the closing of my business. The closing of my business meant I had 30 days to eliminate all my inventory do whatever is necessary because uh, the bank came and said yeah you're closing well, we're done we're not giving you any more money we're, you're done and I said okay you know I submitted I surrendered you know, and the banker told me I had a choice you know you keep doing this if you want but it's not gonna make it Yeah. and God took us out of that business cleanly when we locked the door on the last day we had sold every bit of our, every, all of the fixtures, all of the inventory. There was a few pieces left that I put in the back end of the truck. We took up to the bank and left in a room at the banker's office. You know, <laughs> that was all that was left. We handed the, you know, turned the keys over to the landlord and said goodbye. God took us out of it cleanly. I had no job. My wife, of course, had her job. Um, I had no idea what I was going to do, and within two weeks I had a job. Um, I had money that, you know, got us through. God provided for every need that we had all the way through that, and so I learned that trusting God to provide for my need, He was going to take care of me. Yeah. And so it became—it was a very much of a roller coaster ride as far as emotions and times. Yeah, I mean, we went through some pretty trying times in those couple of years, you know. It was very stressful for my wife and I. She she it's not a good it's not a good space for or a good place for her to go when she wants to think of good memories about that 2 years. Oh, yeah, it was I'm very sure. difficult for her. And I I respect that, but I also understand that God had something greater in mind for me. And that was 1998. so it's been almost 20 years since the business closed. And God has been very faithful. We today are, you know, okay. I mean, God's... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing well. God has provided for every need that we have. And I don't... Today, I don't have that desire to be successful like I used to, you know, 40 years ago when I started my career. It's not like I need to be number one. Well, I have a... I'm still my personality says yes, I want to succeed. I don't sit down and put my feet up on the desk and say this is where I'm content. I still perform in my job.
0: You know, and I think some of that, you know, in in some of the other conversations I've had, where we judge success is different now. Right. You know, and and you got a couple couple years on me, but in my in my life, my views of success have changed. Right. They're no longer Strictly financial. Right. You know, and so I think that now that you've seen that, and, and I love the fact that, you know, you say when, you lo- when, the, when the business was rough, your wife doesn't look fondly on that. But you didn't say that you don't look fondly on that. And mm-hmm. I think that is part of that because you see the growth that God has put into your life in right. that time frame. So, sure, it wasn't joyous, but you did a lot of growing and a lot of character development as, as that went on.
1: Right. I make the comment, I say, yeah, even though it, from the world's view, I was a failure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I lost everything. You know, we, we walked out of our house with our clothes. Yeah. You know, the, the banks came and took the vehicles. Uh, we turned the keys of the house over, and um, that was it, you mm-hmm. know. And we, we moved on, and God provided, and I look back at it as a great Start in my relationship with God. I got to know who he was to a point point. Yeah. and um, God has been very faithful to us
0: on the business aspect of it. You look and you say that the wor- you know The world didn't see it as successful
1: mm-hmm.
0: And that's it's funny because I'm kind of going through some of the same thing in life right now I have a, a good friend of mine who his business failed mm-hmm. um, He was in business for 20 plus years and he, we operate businesses very differently, right? I mean, there's, there's different things. And I think part of running a business, is, you know, or anything in life is being able to self-assess, right? I gotta be able to look, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And it doesn't mean that, what, what are the things I need to work on? And sometimes, you know, for me, like I look and, and I know how to work. I know how to get work. I know how to put my nose to the grindstone and go at it. I don't know how to scale a business, which is a totally different skill set because I didn't come from a business background. I came from, I had $200 in a pickup truck and a box of tools and I said, I'm gonna start my own business. I had no clue what I was doing, right? Well, now that I've, I'm a little older and I look at, so my, my buddy, he his business has recently bankrupt. Um, he's going finishing his bankruptcy now and doing all this stuff and we've been talking and I don't see some people tell me, well, he went bankrupt. Why would you ever want to be in business with him? Well, the thing is, he was successful for 25 years. And some personal things came into his life. And you know what? He tried. He, he may have gone bankrupt eventually, but he tried. It's way more than most people have ever done. Like, at least you made momentum and pushed forward and had dreams and visions I don't think that's a sure that you know the bank's not going to give you anything for 7 years or whatever it is but in in my mind you were you were trying to achieve a goal and you know what not everybody does that you right. know and so that's why I don't think that it's when when I you know I hear about you know the guy that I'm talking about just because you had a bankruptcy doesn't mean anything to me because Right, You just, you tried.
1: Well, that, and that's the big thing. I, you know, we went bankrupt, and to be honest, the banks that we went bankrupt again a year later gave us mortgage for our house. Yeah. You know, so we don't, I don't see it as a failure. I see it as a great success in my life, but it was a success from the point that God was really working in that. He had a plan and a purpose for it, And again, surrendering to that process was able to help me move forward. I I know people who've gone bankrupt have never recovered from it. You know, they just, they saw it as failure and just, they let that dictate the rest of their life and they never became, you know, they never rose above their failure, if you want to say that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that on my own I rose above my failure, but I kept my eyes focused on God. I am very much a goal-oriented person, but my goals changed. You know, it wasn't about, um, I I guess, financial success. That was, you know, that's no longer a key to what I'm looking for um, because I know that God provides. So I don't have to worry about that. I'm content with what I have. Um, but again, I see that time in my life as a significant success. Yeah. And from there, you know, I'm I'm in the same job that I've been in now since then. Um, you know, I'm I'm getting to the point now. I'm looking forward to retiring from that, if that's God's will. Um, and what's happened in the last 20 years there. And I've seen God move significantly in that. But I think the biggest key was not, when I first started that relationship in 1995, it was about, okay, God, what are you going to do for me? To now it's like I am a, a surrendered servant of Jesus Christ. And God, what are you going to do with my life? It's what he's going to do, not what I want him to do for me. And that's, to me, that has been the biggest growth for me over these last 20 years, is taking the relationship from, okay, God, what are you going to do for me? To, okay, God, what are you going to do with the rest of my life? Because I give it to you. And that, that pretty much epitomizes over the last 20 years of that relationship. How have I come to know Him? And I think that most people that you know, profess to be a Christian don't take that time to get to know God. You know, they're looking at their life, they're looking at their family, they're looking at their work, they're looking at their whatever. And God's a part of it, but they haven't given it to God. They haven't allowed Him the ability to take them to greater places than they want to go themselves
0: and use them with the understanding that his plan is better than ours
1: that's right yeah. and, uh, and and I still struggle with that a little bit you know as um, as you know my wife and I move towards retirement you know we, we have some thoughts and some feelings about what we want to do and they' are strong thoughts and feelings it's not just whims but yet recently God's been reminding me that okay you have hopes and dreams but you know, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. So I don't know what he's going to do. And that's okay. I'm content with that. Yeah. I mean, it's a struggle at times. You know, I get a little twisted up about it once in a while. It's like, okay, I, you know, would kind of like to know where we're going, but at the same time, I have to trust you. Yeah. And um, it still takes me back to trusting the Lord with all your heart. And that's, you know, what I'm working on. And he has brought us through everything in our lives to do that. But, again, this last 20 years has been about developing that relationship to where it is very personal, you know, that I can trust God. And I I believe a lot of people get discouraged in their walk with Christ because they're not having the life that they want. It's, you know, it's like, well, God, this didn't work out the way I wanted it, and so, you know, why why is my family member dying? Why is, you know, why am I not financially settled? Why did my marriage go south? Why are my kids struggling? And you
0: know, um, in, in my talks with people, you know, and that's a, that's a really difficult place to be because I can tell you that I believe that God's plans are better than mine. And when he puts something in front of me, I just need to accept it, mm-hmm. move on with it, and know that it is for my best. And even if it is something that is uncomfortable, painful, it's something that is there for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you take somebody who maybe doesn't have that same relationship with God, right? And you put them in the place of loss, fear, poor job situations, the things that are important to them, and they lose it. And the thing that I have found is that the answer of, well, God's plan is better than yours. You know what? That doesn't fill that warm, fuzzy place that they need in their heart at the time because they don't want to hear that. They, I've been there. I didn't want to hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're so close to the situation that you just can't take that 10,000-foot view and understand that things are gonna turn out better, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you, when you meet somebody, say they suffer a loss, say they suffer financial hardship at the time, mm-hmm. how do you relate to them that idea of you just have to trust God? Because I haven't figured out a good way to tell them without, you know.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and it, 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 <laughs> it could actually come off sounding very callous, You know, it's like, well, you just need to trust God. He's going to walk through this. Well, yeah, I'm not feeling it right now today. How do you, you know, walk with somebody through that? And I think that, I think of some experiences that we've gone through in our lives that have been very difficult. It's the moment that we say, God, I don't understand this, or God, help. I mean, that's the biggest thing, God, help. That's what he's there for. It's not like we take him down off the shelf and say, I need your help today. It still comes from that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I might say, you know, I have a friend right now who, I never saw this coming, but he's got cancer right now today. And it doesn't look good, but again, you know, God can do that. And I've I've struggled a little bit as well, what do I say to him at times? Mm -hmm. And I've found that God tells me, so just love him. I love him and I care for him. And yeah, this is not a good place. And I've run into other people over the years that, you know, they've been in a bad spot. And I've just found that, you know, coming around them and putting your arm around them and say, Hey, I understand, and I love you and God loves you is probably the best place to start because I can't fix the problem, only God can fix the problem. Yeah. And it requires me, and this was something that I was, in these years that I've learned, uh, was a phrase called surrender to the process. See, so many of us want to be in charge of our own lives. You know, we we wanna be the one sitting on the throne. Yeah. And we want God to move us through our lives. And we want a relationship with God to where it is, okay, God, this is the direction I'm going. And I just, you know, I want you to be with me in this. It's not about, okay, God, where do you want me to go? It's that I'm going this way, God, are you coming with? And I know that in my, there's been several places in my life over the last 20 years where I know now, looking back, and even knew at the time, that... I was making choices in my life without waiting on God to help me through those choices. And every one of them, every choice that I made without where I went off on my own, you know, wanting God to go along with me, they all turned to ash. Yeah. And that was, you know, the heart. And I know I haven't answered your question directly, but (laughs) it still comes back to our relationship with God. Yeah. It still comes back to trusting God. If you really believe him and you know he is faithful, you need to you in my aspect is get to know who God is and understand him
0: yeah see and that's you know and, and especially for somebody who's maybe not so strong in their faith you know like I, I look back and I have two friends now you were you are your father, correct yes okay so i have I have two young boys mm-hmm. and I have two friends right now and both of their children, well not, they're two separate families, but each one of them has a child who is sick. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them in particular, son has terminal brain cancer Mm -hmm. and they've been back and forth on it and I see him slipping farther and farther from God. And like you were saying, I I can tell him, I'm here for you, God's here for you. You talk to me, talk to God, it'll work out but when that doctor comes in and says there's no more chemo for your kid mm-hmm. there's no more surgeries we can do you might as well not put him in school this year because mm. it's not going to do any good okay. that's hard How, you know being a father i look at that and i say i don't and i and i try to compliment him because honestly he's handling it better than i think i would you know i look at that and i think i would be an absolute wreck because as a father, I think that there's nothing we want more than our children not to hurt. And I couldn't imagine having a child expire before I do. Right. Um, And God, you know, that, that idea of God, take me instead. I would give up anything for a healthy, productive, wonderful future for my children. Right. And, and how do I look at my friend and tell him it's going to be okay. Because he's got a lot more dark days ahead of him that I know are going to be coming, as opposed to the ones that are right now. You know what I mean? It's eventually it's going to be okay, maybe, but not tomorrow, not in a month, not in six months. And you know, I I look for ways to give him assurance that God is walking with him, and I don't know how to do that.
1: Yeah, I think the. One of the things that I have found, um, I have lost two close people to me with brain cancer. Okay. Uh, I lost my boss two years ago to brain cancer. I saw him go through two years of surgeries and finally fail. I lost a a cousin who I felt very close to. Um, You know, we were kind of ski buddies and, you know, you really enjoyed time together. And I saw him go through a couple years with that. And so yeah, I realized they're not children, but at the same time I saw what the families went through. Yeah. And I was, you know, with my boss it was every day. He was in the office every day that he could be and, you know And you the, just watched
0: that deteriorate.
1: Watch it deteriorate. Yeah. And you knew that you knew at some point in time God was, you know, God was going to take him. You know, it was God was in the process of taking him. And the only thing that I ever could say to him, you know, was thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for, you know, um, the times that we had. I never sat and said, oh, woe is you. I never said that you know all oh, this sucks or anything like that. You know, I just said, hey, I understand. And in a, in both of those cases, um, you know, I saw them. Leave, I I saw them lose the battle, and it was hard. You know, I, it's hard to sit there and you know, with my friend that's going through cancer right now, uh, I I look at the people that I've lost in my life to disease and whatever, and. You know, it's hard. I've lost half a dozen friends to something. Yeah. And people that I've felt very close to. But at the same time, I think that what God expects us to do is to stand firm in our own faith. Because as we stand firm in our own faith, you know, I can't empathize with them because I've not been there. Yeah. I can sympathize with them. But I think what God calls me to do is to stand firm in your faith and trust Him. That's, you know, what do you say to somebody? You don't. See, you don't always say something.
0: And I think that's the part that I struggle with is I feel I'm strong in my faith. Mm-hmm. I feel that there, God has given me, maybe for the good of it, an amazing amount of situations to draw from. Right. So there's not often I feel ill-equipped to be able to reach somebody in a in a state of need mm-hmm. or in a state of trial. But yet, you know, in this especially with these sicknesses that, that they are going through, these families, I feel unequipped to be able to do that. But I, I like that idea of I can't empathize but I can sympathize. Right. And I never thought about it like that because yeah, I mean all I can do is be here for you, you right. know, and you know, and I guess it you know, it goes back to that idea of I can't, I can't make disciples, God makes them. I just, I just help lead them, you know, and yeah. kind of the same thing. But it's so hard when you see somebody withdraw from their faith, because I just want to be there and just slap them and say, think of all the great times that God has put in front of you, all the good memories you have, all of the joy, all of the blessings, and just because right now is not one of those times. It's not the time to abandon what you have, but yet I can't come up with this tactful way of saying it and being sympathetic and mm-hmm. yet relaying my message at the same time. And I don't know if I just lack the oral ability to communicate that, or if I'm just at a loss all around.
1: <laughs> well, let me, let me share something with you that's, that I, I understand where you're at in that, because I just recently went through that. My, I just lost my father-in-law. And um, it, it's interesting because it's the same situation. My father-in-law was, as he called him, a very stubborn man. And he, he knew that. There's a lot of believers in our family. But there's a few that are you know not. And he was not. He was actually very resistant to anything to do with church. But yet, at times he would say, "I can remember when family members were struggling, and he came to me one night, drove all the way from his house thirty miles away to my house. He says, "You need to get him in church." you know, but yet my father-in-law, you know, didn't care about church, he didn't you know he he saw it from a human side, he didn't respect pastors because they were fallen men. But anyway, um, my father-in-law here was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and uh, he's eighty six years old and you know I, he was struggling with that and we ended up um, he ended up in the hospital I've been praying for him for years I can remember one night um, you know our small group was getting together and it's like you know we need to be we need to be forthright in our faith we need to share it with people that need and his name came to my mind that night and I got in my vehicle after after a small group and I drove the thirty miles to his house and I you know I knocked on his door at nine o'clock at night and surprised him, you know, I was like, What are you doing here? And it's like, I need to talk to you and I came in and I said, I need to know where you stand with God, you know, and and he shared with me where he felt and I said, Okay, at least I know. But, you know, and he knew my faith and whatever, but Anyway, we, we came up to him being in the hospital, and I'd just been praying, and I kept saying, God, you know, give me, help me to share my faith with Chuck. And this uh, is just such a great moment, but I, my sister and I, are we pray quite a bit together. We'll get on the phone and pray with each other, and uh, so I... I called her up and I said, I just, I got to go see him tonight. And I said, just let's pray. I said, I just want to make sure that I'm not being a coward and that, you know, I have the courage to be able to say to him, Chuck, you need Christ at this point in your life. And I hung up the phone and I took a break from my office and I just, as I was taking the break, I'll use that time to walk and pray and and I'm, again, praying God help me, help me, help me to, you know, share my faith with him. I get back to my office and I had a text message from my sister-in-law and it said, just wanted everybody to know that dad accepted Christ yesterday afternoon. And I'm dancing in my office, I'm jumping up and down, I'm thrilled, people are going, you know, I'm like, woo you know, and everybody's like, what's going on? And I said, my father-in-law just accepted Christ. And I was so excited about it. And I couldn't wait to see him that night when we went up to visit him at the hospital. And just, I felt so good. But it wasn't the point I guess I was trying to make was you know, we feel that struggle, you know, we feel that tension to be able to do what's necessary. And it isn't always us that's going to bring somebody to Christ, it isn't always us that is going to say the right word at the right time, it's God. God is the one who orchestrates that, and God is the one who does that. What God wants is our focus, our faith in Him. And that's all it took was God's faith, our faith in God to do that. Instead of my f- and in the well, inter- um, just to share this little bit, he came to faith on a Monday, he found out on Wednesday that he had pancreatic cancer. What if it would been the other way around? Yeah. You know, to where he found out he had pancreatic cancer, but he didn't have Christ. But because of that, there was peace in all of this. God worked it out. And that's what I, that's what I would tell anybody, I guess, is that if you truly believe in who God is, you know, when, when my first statement is, God is if you're real, you can save me. I didn't believe that God could do what God could do. Yeah. Today, 20 years later, I can sit here and say, if you believe in who God is and you trust in Him, let Him have His way. Yeah. And then, he's gonna, you're going to see things that are amazing. Yeah, my father-in-law died a week later, but his funeral was a celebration because of him coming to faith in Christ yeah. and so when I you know I look at my friend right now who's going through cancer you know and I I called him up and said hey I just want to come visit with you for a few minutes and he said that's great and I went up and sat with him I said I just want you to know that you know I love you that was the first thing I told him I love you and I care about you I said I understand he said well he said I you know I really appreciate all of that he said I really don't want to talk about it he said let's talk about something else I said, okay. And that was the thing that I learned in that, was they don't want to sit around and talk about their misery. Yeah. They want you, they want you to just be there, be the friend that you are. I think and, that, that's,
0: and you look at a lot of people in situations like that, and even, not even chronic illness, but anybody who is somewhat destitute, you know, physical ailments, homeless, mm-hmm. you, whenever you talk to these people, they don't... When you meet a homeless man, he doesn't want to talk about his homelessness, homelessness. Right. You know, and I think that sometimes in with good intention, we wrap up the people that we are there to love and serve in the easy box. Right. But They just want to be the same person they were yesterday. Correct. You know, and so, yeah, right. I mean, I think that's I, a great
1: point. Well, And I think that's very true, is the fact that I think a lot of times when... I think about events over the years where we've tried to fix it, Yeah. okay? You know, it's like I want to be like the night that I drove up to see my father-in-law or, you know, me praying and say, don't let me be a coward. I want to be the one to lead him to Christ. That's what it came down to is I wanted to be the one to do it. I wanted to be God. Yeah. And it's when I stepped back and said, okay, God, you do what you need to do. I'll just tell me what to do.
0: And you get and a text message.
1: I get a text message that, you know, here it is. I found that with my children. Um, How many do you have? I have two children. Okay. Uh, I have a son and a daughter. They're both um, late, mid to late 30s, and um, they're wonderful kids, I love them. Neither one of them are walking with Jesus. They've been raised in the church. You know, My wife and I made sure that. My daughter was baptized, But at the same time, neither one of them are walking with Christ. They're actually living a life very far from God. And the one thing God told me a long time ago was stop preaching at your kids. Just stop preaching. What I learned was, live the life that I have called you to live and live it in front of them. Trust me and it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, it's interesting is that even though both of my children are not walking with Christ, they're not in church, they're nothing you know, to do with that. They respect my wife and I and they respect our faith. When they come to our house or when I go to their house or we go to a restaurant for a meal, they, don't, they know that Dad's going to pray before we eat. And they respect that. They will all sit and wait until everybody's ready and then, okay, Dad... You know, and I look at that and go, okay, live your life in front of them in obedience to God. This is the faithfulness, this is the faith that I have in God. One is that I trust God to do the right thing. Two, I put my children into his hands. And I live my life as best I can in front of them. I have faith in God that my children will come to faith in Christ. I believe that. That's the hope I hold on to. That's the faith that I have. Faith is being sure of what I do not see. I don't see my children walking with Christ today, but I have the faith that they will. And I have the faith and the hope that God is faithful and that he will do what he says he will do. And so when I look at situations in life, I then have to realize my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have to look at that first, and say, am I living that life unto Christ, that I can share that with somebody else? I have an office full of coworkers. Uh, There's a dozen of us that work in our office. Not every one of them is a Christian. But I live my life as an open book before Christ. Most, everyone in that office knows that I am devoted to Jesus Christ. God comes first. And so in living that, I'm not walking around beating people over the head with the Bible. Yeah, You don't you know, get
0: anybody that way.
1: You don't win anything yeah. because it's God doing the work. But what God has called me to do is he said, Doug, I've only called you to one thing. And he says that's to live with me, to live in relationship with me, be obedient to me, I, there's many verses in the Bible where God says, all I want is you. you know, like, God's great commandment, love God and love others. It doesn't say go, you know, go beat them over the head with the Bible. It doesn't say preach to them all the yeah. time. Um, I think it was John Wesley that said, uh, preach the gospel and sometimes use words. Um, where live the life that God has called you to. Develop your relationship with Him. And then in those situations... God will use you where He needs to use you, but don't try to be that providence for everybody else. You know, that's God's work. God's the one who saved the world, not me.
0: And you know, and and that gives me hope. You know, I have probably the brother that I'm closest to. He's not in faith at all, mm -hmm. and it's been interesting to see. That move for him because he went to a Christian school. I did not. Mm -hmm. He can quote text probably better than I can. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is distant, Mm -hmm. right? And he knows he's got that. You talk about that head knowledge. He's got that head knowledge. He knows what it is. You know, does he, you know, you said, hey, you know, I understand Jesus Christ, you know, rose in three days, accepted that, you know. I would say he doesn't believe that, but he can quote all the text He knows it, right. And for a long time, my family would kind of beat him over the head with it, right? Mm -hmm. Enter into aggressive conversations, try to, we're going to get him. You know what, the more that we just love him,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, don't pick a fight with him because he came angry about something and wants to bicker. You know what? Just leave him be. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of the same thing. Is he's respectful? He knows me, my wife, and my kids. We're all churched, and you know what? Don't discuss things that are not appropriate in front of my children. You know what I mean? This is what we believe. This is how my household is ran. Mm-hmm. We're gonna pray before dinner. You know what? When he's there's been nights where he's come and watched my kids. We pray before we go to bed. You're gonna do the same routine. I don't care if you pray, you can pray for them. You know, I don't care if you ask them to pray for you, a prayer needs to happen at bedtime. You know what I mean? And he still follows through with all those things. And, and I think that as we have stepped back a little bit on the hitting him over the head with the Bible, right. he has started to be more accepting. I don't know that I would say accepted is faith, but he has accepted us for what we believe. And right. I hope that, you know, like you say, you know, you have faith that, that God will touch their lives and bring them to him. Man, I, I wish, I hope that. That's a, that's a dream of mine. It's a, it's, a, right. it's a hope that I have, but I don't know that I dwell on it as much as I probably should. I should pray for him more. I should do these things. You know, it, it becomes. I struggle sometimes, and it becomes this, that's, that's just Him, you know, and I don't, it doesn't come to my mind as much as it should. I should pray for Him daily. I should be focused on on His salvation right. because He's my brother, because I love Him, but I don't, you know, yeah, and I'm i probably, I'm probably falling short sometimes in, in what I should do for Him.
1: Well, uh, yeah, and again, I know exactly where you're at, and you know, it's like, Let's, let's just love them as God has called us to love them. Yeah. And let's put our faith in God instead of in ourselves yeah. or in them. You know. Um, and once I started doing that, I became a great piece. So, and that was my big help with the kids. So. When I think about my
0: brother's situation in particular, um, I think that we as people of faith sometimes let wandering people down. I think... One of the things that was eye-opening to me was uh, he—he had a job where he would take some of the people who he worked for. um, They had special needs, and he would take them in and out of churches. And so, a group of them wanted to go to church, you know. And he knew where we went, and so he would come there. And he was convinced that, you know, he made some comment to me one time about how people there only treat me nice because they know you. This is a church of 2,000 people. Like, I know a lot of people, but they don't all know me. And these people were loving on him and treating him great, which was the opposite of what happened to him before. you mm-hmm. know? And so as a church sometimes, you know he was wandering, he was lost, he was an angsty kid, right? But instead of embracing him and, and loving him and taking him into the fold, they wanted to use that head knowledge and that just that idea of, well, this is what you're going to do because God says that, you know what I mean? And right. just, and bring that hammer down. And all it did was push him away. Right. And so in his mind, you know, eight years later, whatever it's been, instead of seeing, you know, I love to visit new churches because I'm going to go in and I'm going to, you know what? Maybe they'll like me, maybe they won't. I'm going to go worship God and chances are I'm going to meet some people who I get along with going to hug me, going to shake my hand, we're going to talk about God. Mm-hmm. In his mind, I think he's seen that as, I'm going to show up, and there's going to be people who are going to give me the side eye, because they don't know who I am, they're going to be judgy on what I wear, maybe I'm not carrying my Bible, and so, and I laugh, because, you know, when he came to church with us, first time, we were very we a very casual church, you know, come as you are, I mean, there's days I would get filthy from working all day and you know if there was something going on in the evening i show up dirty to church. You know what? I am not there for my appearance. I'm there to worship a God that made me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Whether I have on a pair of boots with a little bit of dirt on them or I'm wearing a nicely tailored suit. I am the same guy with the same love for God and the only person that I'm there to impress in a suit are all of you. So... I'm not here for you. I'm here for God. Right. And, you know, so my brother shows up, and he shows up and walks into an extremely casual church with a full suit on and a tie, carrying a Bible that I don't, maybe he blew some dust off of it from when he was in high school. <laughs> but you want to talk about standing out. Right. You walk into a church where everybody wears jeans and T-shirt. Right. And you wear a suit, you know. Not even the pastor's got a suit on, buddy. (laughs) You know, and so, you know, I'm sure he felt out of place, but yet, on the same token, everybody still loved on him. And that was not something he was accustomed to. And in the world, when we walk in this secular world, people loving on us is usually a sign that they want something, need something. They're gonna abuse us, Mm -hmm. you know. But inside of a church, I don't always see it like that. I walk in and people love on me and care on me. And are compassionate and want to know what I'm doing because they care right. because they do love me, you know.
1: Yeah, I think about um, I think about the comments that my father-in-law made when I talked to him, and he said, "Well, you know, that pastor was a womanizer, or you know, that pastor did this or did that," and all he was looking at was the pastor, you know, and he mm-hmm. was judging God and the church and why do I need that because this is all I see. And I think about, you know, your brother, you're talking about that. And, you know, he's, sometimes, you know, they're walking into church looking for that. I think you that's know, a I They're think that's looking a for people, you know, to look worldly, even though we're supposed to not look like the world, yeah. you know. Uh, and see, I was treated just like, you know, my buddies over at work or where I hang out to play, you know, go to the gym or whatever. Uh, these people in church act the same way. Yeah. You know, they're judging me instead of loving me. Even though you loved, even though people in the church loved on him, they didn't see that. They were seeing only what they wanted to see when they came he, in. He had to have an excuse right. why they loved on
0: him. And that excuse was because they know you. Right. Chances are none of these people that he was talking to even really knew who I was. Right. They were just being genuine Yeah, they're being what they're supposed to be.
1: But, you know, unfortunately there are churches that, you know, you walk in the door and, you know, the first thing they're going to do is they start judging you. And I think we've all been to those places. Been to those places. And so, again, I I think that, I, I think it comes down to is your relationship with Jesus Christ, who you are as an individual. God only calls us into relationship with him. He doesn't call my wife and I into a relationship. He calls me. He doesn't call my wife and my children and my neighbor and whoever else along with me into that relationship. He calls me. And then he calls me and says, Doug, I want you to love your neighbor. Just as I love you, I want you to love your neighbor. And that's all he's ever asked any of us to do. He's never asked us to do anything else. So as you love on your brother as you genuinely love him, regardless of where his heart is at with Christ, you can't judge that. The only thing you can ju- do is judge how much you love him yeah. and how obedient you are you know, to God in loving him. And that's the hope that I hold for my children. That's the hope that I hold for anybody that doesn't know Christ. Um, you know, I have, you know, like I said, coworkers around me that are not believers okay, well, i gotta tr- I got to treat them exactly as I treat the believer. And I have to love on that person exactly as I love on the believer. Yeah. Because that's what I'm called to do. And then the rest of it's up to God.
0: You know, and I, and I think it's funny when we have these times where, you know, you look at my brother. Well, they're going to judge me for what I do. It is, and I laugh. I, I see people who, you know, when they find out I'm a Christian, or Mm -hmm. they find out that that I work in different ministries, and their 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 ideas of me somewhat change at times, and I think it's interesting because they live in sin, right? That we, I try not to sin. I also sin, believe it or not, but it is not my job to judge those that are not in faith. Right. My job is just to love them. You know what? If you want to live hedonistly, that's fine. It doesn't mean that I have to partake. It doesn't mean that I can't know you. It just means I don't have to do it. Right. And I think that far too often they're scolded and slapped on the hands and told you're wrong. But it is my job to look at my brothers and sisters within the church And Talk to them about their sin and talk to them about their lifestyle as well as it's their job to look at me You know and if I'm doing something wrong and you see it, please tell me right because I want to grow I want to be more intentional on my faith But those people that are walking in the world who are being who are feared of being judged by a Christian That's not a Christian's job it's not our job to tell you how to live your life. It's our job to be an example of a better life that you could yeah. obtain and how do you get there? Feel free to ask.
1: Yeah. That's what it means by being a witness. Yeah. You know, a witness doesn't mean pointing out everybody else's faults. A witness is you know, the tes- the testimony of your own life. That's all a, a witness is is you give a testimony.
0: Yeah.
1: And the interesting part is it makes my life much easier. Because the only person I have to look at is Jesus Christ. And so when I walk into my workplace, or I walk into the gym, or I walk into my church, or into my home, or into a friend's home, or into a store, I, my witness walks with me. And so, you know, that's where I have to, you know, I have to look at myself and say, am I walking in obedience to Christ? All right. When I, you know, I can walk into the store and I can look at people and I could have, I could have all kinds of fun judging people in the store yeah. thinking about how they live or what they do, but at the same time, you know, I'm being looked at too. Yeah. You know, when I walk in the store, I'm being watched just yeah. like they are and somebody's looking to see what I'm going to do. And then my actions, even though I don't know who's watching me, even my actions testify to my faith in Christ because Christ is with me no matter where I go. God's Spirit is with me no matter where I go. And so that one action that I do either draws that person closer to me or it says, "Ah, eh, he's just like the rest of the world and they pay no more attention to me. And so I still believe that believe. I mean it's just a matter of this is the way it is is that God calls us into relationship with himself and he's going to tell us what to do when we need to do it. Yeah. And the rest of the time I just walk around with him. Well, and I think
0: it's, you know, you talk about having people look at you when you walk into a store and you do these things. I think one of the interesting part about that is, is as long as you are being glorifying, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you're glorifying, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about you, right? right? We're not to be of this world. right? You know, our treasures are not here. Right. I'm, not judged. I'm not judged by anybody. And so, yeah, and right. so, you know what? Who cares? Right. You can look at me however you want. And I think that there is a certain level. I have not always been like that. I think that there is a certain level of comfort that you have to have with your relationship with Jesus before mm-hmm. you can say, meh, whatever, judge me. You know what, and if you wake up tomorrow and you don't like me, that's okay. Right.
1: As long as as I've not sinned against you, you know, I'm not, you know, did I sin against you, then I'll ask for forgiveness. But beyond that, the only person I care about pleasing is Jesus. Exactly. You know, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not in this world to, you know, it's funny, you see, I remember a a t-shirt or sign somewhere is that today is not your day, you know, I'm not here to help you today or something like that, but today's not your day, you know, to make you happy or whatever. Yeah. I kind of screwed that up, but I I can see it and it's like, you know, today is not your day to make you happy or something. But anyway, I think that as long as I am loving that person as God has called me to love them. Yeah. You know, and I, I... know people that I would, I would have a very hard time loving that person if I, you know. I think we all do. Right, and, but at the same time, it's like, okay, God, you know, you've called me to love this person. How can I do such? And there's people in my life that need a lot of grace. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, how you doing today? All right, Oh well, cool, glad to hear that. You know, it didn't require an encounter. You know, it's just extending that love of Jesus Christ and allowing God to do the work that he's going to do. It takes so much pressure off of our lives. Yeah. Because I'm not the one that, I don't, yeah, I, I'm a saint that's capable of sinning. Okay, and I'm going to make mistakes. And, but I'm not intentionally looking to sin. I'm just, you know, there are the days that things happen. Yeah. You know, and, you know, ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness, give forgiveness where we need to forgive. And go about living your life as unto Christ. And that's what it comes down to. I, you know, I've, I have a gentleman that I disciple. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the world. You know, and he wants to fix it. I said, it's not your job to fix. You know, Christ already died for all of that. Yeah. It, your job is to, to glorify him and your job is to know him. That's it. And if he puts you in a position where you can make a difference, make the difference. Make the difference. He'll give you the strength to do that. Yeah. You know, if God's not gonna, you know, another goofy saying, but God's not gonna put you in a place where he's not gonna take you through it. Yeah. Whatever God brings to, he'll take you through. It takes a lot of pressure off of our lives when we stop trying to be God. You know,
0: I love, you know, I, me and my wife traveled Uh, to Central America and doing leading short-term missions for -hmm. for quite a few years. And I would always, I would go and do construction, Mm -hmm. right? That's what I'm skilled at. That's what I knew how to do. And I was happy to go and do it. And so I would go down there and I would see the joy, I mean, to go to a place where somebody sleeps in a dirt hut, right? Mm -hmm. They weave sticks together and pack it with dirt. And, You know, sometimes a sheet metal roof. When it rains hard, the whole house collapses. You know, these things. And you go give them a block house. You figure out how to put water in a house. I mean, these people walk miles to go to a river to get water. Mm -hmm. But you can put water at their house. Now their neighbors are blessed. They're blessed. The amount of people that you can touch and the amount of good that you can do. And when they know that somebody from God's church came and helped accomplish this, right? We built schools, we built houses, we've done these things and made these tangible, physical places. I didn't have to stand on a soapbox and say, John three sixteen. you know, I, I didn't need to do that. And that right. would not have made the effort or the, the step forward that giving somebody something tangible that they can fill, that they can remember something that God helped provide for them. These people who've never had anything now have something. And so, you know, it takes me back. I remember we were driving up through the hills, up through the mountains in rural Honduras, and there was another group of missionaries there. And their focus was totally different. You know, I was there, we were building something. I don't even remember what we were building at the time. We were building something and, you know, working with the people in the city, doing what we did. And we met these people and we sat and talked to them for a while because it's not every day that you run into Americans. Right. Um, and so we're talking to them, and all they want to talk about was, We've been here for two weeks, we saved 57 people. Really? Like, I don't know how many I saved. I'm not here for that. I'm here to just show people Jesus. Why do you have to have a number? How are you doing this? You know, I knew. I knew a group of people who used to go to India and they would do the same thing. We saved 65 people while we were in India last month. Well then they go back and they can't figure out why none of these people are going to church anymore. Well, because all you asked them to do was say a prayer so you feel good about yourself. You didn't teach them anything. You didn't show them God. You didn't empower them to know what faith can provide, what faith can do, but you just wanted to put another check mark on the back of your Bible to show how many people you saved.
1: Right. That is not
0: what we as Christians should be doing. We should be loving. Those numbers shouldn't matter because God keeps track of those. We don't,
1: right.
0: you know. And you know, I just think you know, there's so much work we can do, you know.
1: And, well, I, the, and the interesting part is that God has not called us to anything other than to love Him and to love His neighbor, yeah. and to love your neighbor. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, making a disciple is somebody who really wants to follow Jesus. Yeah, That's, that's really what it is, and if you, you, know, you walk into a nation, I've, I've done plenty of short-term mission trips to Jamaica, Mexico, Atlanta, of all places, probably was the, the hardest, and a number of trips up into Alaska. You know, where we've gone and built churches and done stuff in commun- in native villages. In Inuit villages. Yeah. You know, I learned that, just like you learned, I'm there to love them. I, you know, I I can remember a couple of different times in the villages where we just kind of hung out with people, you know, we had a good time. We Those were ta- the best times. We weren't talking about Jesus all the time. We were talking about, you know, the caribou hunt when we were up in... Uh, up in Alaska and talking about, you know, going off riding on four-wheelers out across the tundra and stuff and just having a relationship with people. But when we make discipleship, when we make a disciple of somebody, it's that you live your life in such a way that you glorify God that that person wants to follow God as well.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, that's a disciple, somebody who wants to follow And how do I make a disciple? Well, I go out and I, one, meet the need of the person. You know, maybe build a house, maybe bring them water, maybe give them food. You know, I meet their basic needs. Tell them that God loves them, I love them as his creation, and that's it. I've done what God has called me to do, and the only thing God calls for is obedience obedience, you know, Jesus says, if you obey my commands, I'll, I'll love you. And the Father loves you because you're obedient to him. Not an obedient in a slave master kind of thing, but obedience because I do love him enough that I want to obey him.
0: Obedient with respect. right? I, I respect you. Right. I love you. So I will be obedient.
1: I will yeah. be obedient to you. And that's, you know, that's the point that I guess I've come to in my life. There are you know, that relationship with Jesus Christ has developed enough where I'm at peace with with that and um, you know I don't I don't preach at people anymore you know I just you know I might somebody might ask me a question that gives me the door you know to say yeah this is what's going on but but
0: that's just living life with them
1: right yeah. that's that's basically it but if I'm going to profess to be a, a Christian then live it so many people, there are so many people out there that say that they're Christian but have no relationship, no knowledge of who God was. And that's who I was. I, at age 20, I would say, yep, I'm a Christian. At age 15 or 13 or 10 or whatever, I would say, yep, I'm a Christian because I do believe this.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. But it wasn't until I turned 40 years old that I started having a relationship with my Lord and Savior and walking with Him. Yeah. Was it perfect at first? No. You stumble you know,
0: and you fall, but well, you get back I, up. Right.
1: I was doing it for my own reasons, but at the same time, God was faithful. He saved me out of where I was at. He took me out of the life that I had. He put me into this life, yeah. which today, if you ask me, oh, this is a heck of a lot better than the old one. You know, yeah. tons better. And so, I, again, you know, you might profess to be a Christian, and I'm not going to judge what you're doing in that relationship, but it's about, a rela- it's about the relationship. Yeah, I know who you are, but I don't know who you are.
0: I know that in the podcast world, there's right. not a whole lot of... If you, if you want a sermon or something like that, there's a lot of podcasts for Christians. There's not a ton of options out there. But in the secular world, you can find a podcast that'll discuss just about anything. Right. And in these relationships that I have cultivated with other people who host shows, I have been invited to come on You know, some probably shows that aren't the most God-honoring shows, right? But I make no quorums about what do you want to talk about on my show? I want to talk about my faith, in a Christian podcast. Like, you know, that's what I'm here to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if they'll let me on, we can have conversation. You know what? And, and sometimes, like I said, the conversation is not always the most God-honoring, and I don't know how to approach it. But God has equipped me to be able to manage that conversation and bring His ideas to groups of people who might be distant from Him. And and given me the ability to share my life and my struggles. And I know one of the guys, the last show that I went to go on, we started talking about faith. And he says, well, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to let you know that I'm an atheist. I said, that's fine. I don't have any quorums about you. He's like, you know, and next thing I know, we start talking. And he he talks about how he used to go to church with his ex-wife and how, you know, I don't believe in this whole God thing, but man, they, they really did give me some some insight that I could take into good morality in the rest of my life. That's a foundation. You know, God can work on that. You know mm-hmm. what? Keep getting those little bits into you. And and I had a wonderful time sitting talking with this guy for an hour. One of the things that came up was, you know, he, he was talking about the way he was treated within the church and different things like that, and I told him, you know, the, the worst part about Christianity sometimes is the Christians. Right. You the know, because we are fallen, sick people. You know, we're not all healthy. We're not all good. We're just like everybody else. When you walk, when you walk into the grocery store, there's happy people, sad people, depressed people, mean people, nice people. You know, what? when you walk into church, there's happy people, sad people, mean people, depressed people, nice people. We're, we're encompassing of society. But we're all just trying to get somewhere, you know, and that's so important to, I think, to remember, you know, that holier than thou Christian idea is not a real thing. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think we're coming up on, on time here shortly, but I think that, I mean, I think you've imparted a ton of wisdom into us. I think that, I think the ups and downs and the things that God has shown you has given you such a maturity to your faith that that's. Amazing, and so I was kind of hoping, as we wrap up, if somebody is struggling with the place that they're at in life and struggling with just trusting that God is, God is walking with them. God is there. Could you just give them just a little quick minute to what What do you tell them? I and mean, you know, it's something think about your business and these things, I think that you might be able to relay that message a little better than I can. What what do you tell somebody who's just struggling with that time of thinking, is God here with me?
1: Wow. I think as the person, you know, I I think of the people that I meet in my daily walk at work, uh, because I I meet all kinds of, of, across culture, I, you know. And so, every person that I meet in my work, I treat the same. You know, as I, I, I show them respect and care for who they are. Some people are difficult to work with, but to, if somebody came to me and they were struggling in their walk with God, so they, they would come and say, I'm, I'm struggling in my walk with God, and my, my first part would be that you know I understand You know, we all struggle. I've struggled many times in my relationship with Christ because I don't understand where I'm going or what's happening. Um, But I would also share with them that God is faithful. He doesn't change. You know, he treats everybody exactly the same. He loves you deeply. He created you for his purpose, and he, he loves you. He loves you deeply. And all he wants is that relationship with you. He wants you to trust him to walk you through whatever you're going through. Uh, I can remember a gentleman that I discipled that he came to me because he felt that I was going to save his marriage. I said, I'm not going to save your marriage. I said, that's only only between you and God. I said, but I'm here to point you to God so that you can trust him to get you through what you need to get through. And I think, I know it's, more than a minute, but no, you're it's, fine. Um, it's the fact that I think we need to point people to who God is. Yeah. If you do not have an understanding of who God is, if you truly do not know Him, how are you going to understand what He can do for you? And it's not about, I just want God to do for me. It's about if you don't understand that God is faithful. God makes promises. He, God, makes a lot promi- yeah. he makes a lot of promises. He's faithful to every promise that he's ever made. And he doesn't disappoint. Okay? He loves you. He cares for you. He's going to take care of you. One thing that... Um, one, the only two promises that God has ever made that apply to all of us is that God has... God is merciful and he is gracious. Those are the only real two promises God has, is that when you come to God and you kneel before him and you say, God, I don't know how to do this. Jesus puts his hand on your shoulder and says, I know, I've been there. And I understand, I know. Well, I don't know what I need. Jesus says, I will give you what you need. That's his grace. So he's merciful and he's gracious. He understands where we've been. He understands what we're going through because he has gone through it himself. And he has the ability to give us what we need to go through it. That's what I would say. I guess right there, that's what I would say to somebody who says, I really don't know what I'm going to go through. Understanding God's mercy and his grace.
0: And I love that idea of, of his faithfulness in there too because, you know, you talk about God treats us all the same. God is... In the same beginning, to end, now, right. and forever. He's right? immutable. And the, the same God who kept his promises to Abraham. The same God who walked with David. The same God who walked with Moses. All of these champions and people we see in the Bible, who we see their story from beginning to end, and how God played these intricate parts in it, and knitted those stories together, that's the same God it's our lives together. right? And I think that we should find joy in that every Mm day.
1: Right, you should.
0: Doug, I really appreciate your time. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you came, that you opened up for for a little while and just shared some of your life with us. So thanks again for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to Doug's story. I know he was such a wonderful man to sit down with. And again, I hope that you guys had a great year. I look forward to spending another year with you. Uh, stay in touch. You know how you can get a hold of us Facebook uh, at God Watch Live and also on our webpage at GodWatchLive.com. So I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week and be blessed.